Convenient to chain Yesways in growth mode and being able to generate strong consumer loyalty has been key to its success. Now, as the company looks to its future, it's revamping its loyalty program and using technology and automation to better understand and deliver personalized experiences. So on this episode of Tech Transformation, I'm talking with Darren Samaha, VP of Marketing at Yesway, about the ways they're thinking more strategically about loyalty, how they plan to leverage new partnerships and data, and the new ways they're measuring success. Stay tuned for that and more on this episode of Tech Transformation. You won't find a retailer or consumer goods company that doesn't see the value in generating strong consumer loyalty. If you do, they're probably not doing very well these days. But what that loyalty looks like and how it drives value is very different from business to business. So I'm excited to have Yesway's Darren Samaha on, who's going to talk about their plans as they ready their new loyalty program. Darren was recently a speaker at our Analytics Unite Summit held in Chicago in May. And before I kick off our conversation, I just need to plug a couple more events we have coming down the road that focus on some of the things we're talking about today. One's the Value Chain Tech event being held September 25th through 27th in Seattle. And that includes a focus on the importance of end-to-end collaboration between retailers and manufacturers. The second is just a week later. It's the Consumer Goods Sales and Marketing Summit being held October 4th through 6th in Austin. And that's going to focus on how companies are redefining their KPIs in order to innovate today. We're going to touch on both of these things today, and you can learn more at valuechaintechevent.com and cgsmsummit.com. Okay, the plugs are over. And so, Darren, I want to welcome you to Tech Transformation. Thank you, Lisa. Nice to be with you today. Uh, it's awesome to have you here. Um, I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about, about Yesway as well for anyone who's not familiar with the chain. Sure. So a little bit about myself. I've been with Yesway for about seven years now. Um, Yesway is a convenience and fuel retailer that was started in 2016 with a small seed portfolio of about 10 stores uh, based out of you know, Des Moines, Iowa area. And then we very quickly grew via acquisition to where we're at today, which is 437 stores. And we operate two two banners. Actually, we operate the Yesway banner and the Allsup's banner, which we acquired a regional chain of 350 stores or so back in uh, 2018. So we, we grew very quickly. Uh, we had to divest some of those stores, but it's pretty exciting to be part of a company that operates you know, not one, but, but two brands. There are challenges that come with that, obviously. And being a growth company, we're continuing to grow, whether we build something, whether we buy something, um, or whether we, you know, we, we remodel something that we already have. There's always something going on with, with Yesway, which is very exciting. Um, my career, I started uh, a long time ago, but um, I started essentially in, <laughs> in consulting. <laughs> <laughs> I started in consulting. And my first job was for a software company, kind of at the, the tech bubble, you know, boom. And I kind of came in at the, the tail end of that. So I don't think the company exists anymore, but it was a software company. I was a business analyst involved in the UX group, the user experience um, kind of product testing group for the company. It was business analytics software is all this clunky stuff that was that we actually used like CD-ROMs to download, install it on these servers and stuff. We had clients like CVS, uh, Liberty Mutual. We had a good book of business, but I was involved with the user experience team um, very early in my career. So it was pretty fun to be able to like test software, figure out what worked, what didn't, um, you know, in these like secretive rooms where there's like two-way mirrors and you'd see people kind of like crash through software. 
Yeah, exactly. It was it was really fun. Um, I remember vividly getting my first Nokia phone at the time. I don't know if you know, they're like the big, huge yeah. brick phone that was. I think it got super hot when you when you, when you talked on it, and you, everybody walked around with the belt clip. I refused to do that. It'd be a joke today if you stuff one of those in your pockets <laughs> versus an iPhone. Um, but it was pretty fun. It was a good job to start. But I took away one key thing, which is just always putting the the consumer, the end user, at the focus of anything that I did throughout the rest of my career, whether it was advertising, marketing. Um, you know, loyalty programs, you name it. That was really the biggest takeaway. And I think something that I feel like I've been able to apply throughout the rest of my career. So it was a pretty fun start. Nice. Okay. So my background's in consumer tech. So I definitely love hearing about uh, that Nokia phone. I actually have a Microsoft Zoom player sitting on my, <laughs> my shelves back there. Um, so we nice. like to talk about one of the things you started doing at Tech Transformation is a bit of an icebreaker. Is talk about your first job. So was that like your first job you're talking about or, or is anything you can go back a little that, further? That was basically my first job. I had an internship coming out of college for a software company and uh, ended up working for a different software company as the first job. But yeah, that was it. Um, the Nokia phone was the first phone with the first job and had had pro- probably no business actually working for that company at the time. You know, people were just throwing money at, at people coming out of college and these companies had through like lavish parties. I remember going to Austin, Texas at the time and just saying to myself, is this sustainable? Because, you know, this costs a lot of money to fly everybody here for a month and all this stuff. Um, so that company is no longer exists. I'm, I'm pretty different certain. Different times. That. Yes, different times for sure. Uh, but like I said, it was really fun. And the biggest, the biggest piece for me was really understanding the end consumer, user experience, user testing, and, and being data driven in, in that approach. So you're here to talk about Yesway's new loyalty program. Uh, tell us a little bit about what it looks like for Yesway and, and really how you identify what's important to your consumers and your business as part of it. Yes, for sure. I'm very excited to talk about that. We've had a, quite a lengthy um, journey in rewards, I'd say. Like I said, we started the company in 2016 and I joined in March of 2016. So one of the very first tasks that I was given was to start a rewards program. So we went through a very lengthy uh, valuation at the time we launched our program and then we grew the program obviously so now we're kind of on our second iteration of it and that gives us an opportunity i think to take really a 360 360 degree view of what works what doesn't how we can improve and to a certain extent i think challenge the thinking of of how we thought about loyalty and rewards you know is strictly like a transactional thing and maybe being feature driven which i think is a good thing to a certain extent but a lot of times I think with programs and we may have been stuck in this, like, Oh, what can we do? That's really cool versus, mm-hmm. you know, where are the consumers going and how do we meet them there? And what are things that we can inherently build as the program that may be a feature, but let's think more strategically about loyalty and rewards. So like, I guess what I mean by that is we're starting with the business outcomes. Like what do we want to do as business objectives first and foremost? And some of these things may be fairly obvious and like in convenience retailing, but you know, obviously we want to drive business outcomes, incremental business outcomes via visits gallons, baskets. And we'll look at doing that through a variety of things. Like I said, we have a program now and we've had success there, but we want to take it to the next level and be the leader in our in our industry. In it. So we're looking at a better customer journey and experience. Um, we'll have a new app, which will be exciting for us. And we're looking to, I think, follow the model that you've seen a lot of QSRs and whatnot with using the phone as the ID, the phone number as the ID, which will be great, much easier, frictionless, all that kind of thing. Better personalized communication, I would say. Uh, being more relevant, being in real time, and that requires data, but it also requires, I think, really understanding your audience, um, segmenting better, and having the right promotion for those customers and meeting them there. I would say as well, it's communicating with them the way that they want to be communicated, whether it's an app, whether it's 
you know, SMS, potentially even MMS and, and email. We're doing all those things. We'll continue to do that. We'll look at gamification. We've done that now, but we want to take that to the next level as well. And I think behind the scenes, the kind of feature-driven stuff, we're looking at the overall integrations to figure out what can we do that's better than what we do now? How do we make the experience easier, whether it's electronic age and ID verification, digital couponing, reporting behind the scenes that we can then kick back uh, to our supplier partners to leverage more funding. We're doing all that now, but we're going to do it better and I think more quickly um, going forward with our new partnership. So that's really great. Um, I think the biggest in terms of thinking about loyalty and like business outcomes is with our new partner, um, Stuzo. I can talk about them now, which is great. We're really excited about them. Um, they, they've kind of educated us on their approach, obviously. We, we like it and that's why we're going with them. But it's really about understanding the consumer and their wallet and what share of that wallet we're currently getting and how do we increase that share and drive more of those businesses to us. So Lisa, you know, you have wallets, we'll say, like you probably mm -hmm. buy water at convenience stores that may be a wallet. You probably buy salty snacks. That could be another wallet of yours as a customer, Frito-Lay chips, for example. Uh, maybe you buy wine, maybe you buy beer. I don't know, but I well, assume you buy all probably- All those things all that you just mentioned. Check, check. Yeah, I'll check all yeah. of you up. So we'll say, okay, what type of, do we want to drive a different um, outcome in those categories and then individual customers within those categories, how do we get more wallet share? And not to go into too many specifics of how we're going to do that. Um, it's, it's about gaining, getting more, getting more from our competitors, bringing more trips and transactions, i.e. more wallet share from you, Lisa, to, to our business. Um, and we'll identify what types of you know, wallets uh, from a category perspective we want to go after, being convenience, um, convenience retail, we're the channel of thirst. Uh, my boss always likes to say, and I agree with that, you know, people come in for packed beverage, for beer, uh, that type of thing. So we'll certainly look at that. We'll look at tobacco as one of the categories, I'm sure, food, private label, um, really all of those things and prioritize how, how do we want to drive um, business through those wallets to our company. I think tactically, we'll leverage a lot of things that most programs encompass, whether it's personalization. You, I was going to say, can you talk a little bit about how, about how you, you know, plan to use automation and personalization for this? Yeah, definitely. I think in terms of the the personalization angle, it, it's really huge. It's at the top of everybody's mind. Um, I, I don't know how many you know webinars you get with with this, but it's no surprise as to why you know retailers like us. I think convenience specifically, we're in a super competitive channel, and if you're not differentiated, then a customer can easily go to a different location and fuel up there, maybe sign up for the rewards program and kind of kind of um, get the benefits there. So we're trying to cut through with automation with personalization. Um, and that's what I alluded to earlier. I think it's leveraging data to deliver the, the right offer at the right time in the right channel to the customer, i.e. whether it's text, whether it's email, in-app push. And we're looking at all those things right now to be better and to be more relevant. We've done it before, but I think this is really going to accelerate what we can do. And I think really shine a spotlight on the ROI of, of loyalty. I talk about this a lot with our senior loyalty manager. He's terrific. And I think unequivocally, we can prove efficacy of loyalty by identifying what the share of, of wallet is out there based on consumer surveys to the program and then figuring out what we're getting now and how we can drive incrementality um, as a result of that. So it's really exciting for us. In order to do it, we need better automation. We need more personalization. And um, you know, through the, the Stuzo platform, I think we'll be able to do that. In addition, you know, like any good marketer, I think all those things are great, but marketing is all about testing. So we'll test and learn. Like All that data isn't there now. We'll you know, someone signs up, we'll learn over time and we'll get better over time and we'll be able to deliver, I think, more relevant offers and understand, you know, kind of the nuances of the dynamic audiences that we create in the program. Um, 
so that's that's really important to us, I think, and uh, it's exciting. So you've talked um, in the past on other shows about the potential in leveraging hyper rural markets. So what is you know what does that look like for Yesway? What is can you first like what do you mean by hyper rural markets? <laughs> well, put this way, if I if I I live in Boston and our regional headquarters is in Fort Worth, so I travel there, I take one flight there, then to get into one of our our markets out in Texas, I'll take another plane to Amarillo, and then even from there, drive a couple hours to get into all the stores around there. Uh, that are they're all steps in potential yes ways, so that's hyper rural. Like you got to go way out mm-hmm. to get to some of our stores, but you know certainly um, you know not not to that extreme with every store, but um, hyper rural. You know it's it's kind of those small towns and communities in America that may have been overlooked or you know may have had a business that kind of folded up and departed, but they still really care about their communities. They still have things going on there. Uh, they're still very active and they love their convenience stores. You know, growing up, I used to go to Cumbies. We call it it's Cumberland Farms, but yeah, I used to go to my Cumbies. You know? Yeah, exactly. So those stores really mean something for the communities. And it's telling when we remodel a store or we show up and we do a grand opening for a brand new store for an NTI, a new to industry store. And the community excitement is really amazing. Um, you know, we'll do check presentations. We'll donate to the local fire department, police, um, school districts, that type of thing. We'll have people show up. We'll do just kind of a fun um, event marketing tentpole event for those things, but it's really telling. So that's what I mean by hyper rural. It's those types of communities. So specifically for us, I think what it's about is there are opportunities to deliver more value to those customers being hyper rural. Um, They may be in a grocery desert. You know, they may like during COVID, I'll give you an example, like some of our customers didn't want to drive out to big box retail or a large grocery chain to get the things that they needed. So they come to us and we were thankfully able to meet them uh, we had good supply thanks to our, our terrific category managers. And they they like that comfort of being able to know the person behind the counter, believe it or not. And that's really important to us. That's a differentiator for us. And with loyalty specifically, our associates are actually one of our best you know sales advocates out there because they know those customers by name. They're familiar with them. So they can sell them on the benefits of the program. Um, so I think it's those things. It's, it's being able to deliver value to those hyper-rural markets in the form of a rewards program. Um, you know, one, one thing that I think we've done really well is to look for ways where we could potentially compete on value with other channels. So like grocery, for example, um, you know, traditionally we, we may not have had great pricing on cereal, um, but through our, again, awesome category managers, like they leveraged a great partnership with Kellogg's. We had really great pricing on cereal, but then we said, how can we deliver even more value with this? Well, one of our pillars, in addition to our rewards program is our private label catalog. And we've got a really terrific offering. Um, and the best kept secret of all steps is that the milk, the bread, and the eggs are really powerful uh, private label drivers. So we look to pair up, you know, cereal with our milk, which is spectacular, the gallon milks and all that kind of thing. And it's really moving units, which is great. And at the end of the day, you know, Kellogg's wins, we win, and our customers win. And that trifecta of the win-win-win, it's not rare. We can actually do it. It's not super complex. I just think it takes um, maybe to a certain extent. Breaking down the, like the silos a little bit, like the merchandising mm-hmm. and marketing silos and saying, hey, marketing team, we understand the customer's needs and what, what they want and what value means to them. Hey, merchandising team, you guys talk to the CPGs. You know, what are you seeing? How can we extract more value from them and i.e. return it back to the customer, but also ensure that you know, we get the trip, we get the unit, um, and also just, um, just good pricing on, on private label. So that's one example. It's really driving that mutual value for the retail CG collaboration. For sure. Um, 
can you, so you, I know that from our past conversation that you launched or revamped your loyalty program pretty quickly. Can you talk a little bit about what it was like getting your IT teams on board and your tech teams on board? How did you get their buy-in? <laughs> I, I chuckle because it's really not easy. I don't think there's a silver bullet. We, we've, we're in the midst of discovery right now. So I do want to be, we haven't launched the new program yet. It's a yet to be determined date, but we're working really hard um, to hit our debt, our, our deadlines and the pilot and we do all those things. So we're in the midst of it right now. Um, I mentioned this just before about, I, I think, breaking down silos within merchandising and marketing. That's what it was about, I think, to get buy-in with IT. It's so important to have them on board with the project like this and all the scope. So you know, I think like in COVID with remote work, all that kind of stuff, people can kind of go down their their silos and mm-hmm. have blinders on and just be focused maybe on like the day-to-day stuff or get overwhelmed with you know what's happening in the inbox or you know, who knows what, what's happening at home. So what's important to, to me and to my team is the marketing team, I think is communication and breaking down those silos. Like we communicate to customers really well, I would like to think, and we have to do that internally. And so my, my job was throughout the project, whether we were, you know, talking to, to the various you know, potential partners or whether we we're having internal meetings and discussions about um, features or strategy around it, or like even timelines, costs, all that kind of stuff. I really want to make sure every department head had a voice, um, had a seat at the table, you know, in particular IT, um, because of just the nature of the project and how technical it was. So again, no silver bullet, no like crazy you know, secrets there, but that was it. So every call that I had, you know, want to make sure our CTO had a voice, uh, had a seat at the table. I like to think that we, we have a better relationship as a result of it. And in the end, we really pushed for a dedicated uh, couple of folks in IT to essentially be a part of the loyalty team. And we've got one guy now, he's on all the kind of status calls, update calls with Stuzo. Um, we were out in Fort Worth, took him out to dinner. So it's great. You know, we've got a really good working relationship now with him. So it really boils down to that. Um, the, the IT team has been terrific. And, you know, hopefully going forward, if we need other stuff from them, um, you know, they'll be there for us. And talk more about collaboration. Yeah. Um, one of the, uh, so something else you've also talked about in the past is emotional loyalty. So, you know, what does this look yeah. like? What is, um, what does this look like for Yesway? How do you, and I, you know, really love to learn how you measure it. It's not easy. And I'll have to pull in another practice area of ours, which is a, a big project, a big focus of ours over the past couple of years was developing, um, you know, our online reputation and review, kind of bucketing it with social media, reputation review and listings and making sure our digital footprint met the same standards as our physical footprint. Mm-hmm. Like if a store looks really great, the digital storefront and, and presence has to be the same. Um, so with brand sentiment specifically, we measure it in real ways uh, via reputation reviews. We have a platform that does that. In addition to that trifecta, I just talked about social media listings and then reputation reviews kind of sits in the middle. Um, so we look at what's trending, you know, inbound reviews. We look at the terms that are trending, whether it's like cleanliness, um, crappy customer service, you know, whatever it is, like warts and all, like we got to look at it and, and really understand what those complaints are. Rewards complaints come in, whether it's something that the customer just can't like actually do like a transactional thing. Um, or maybe it's, it's something they want to see more of in the program. We also do surveys as well. Our team's terrific at that. They don't bombard our, our loyalty base with surveys, but we do survey them to figure out what's working for them and what's not. And all this stuff, I think, paints a pretty clear picture of how are you doing as a brand, how we're doing as a brand, and are we living up to our brand promise? Um, my marketing manager does a terrific job of taking all that sentiment, um, all those reviews, and operationalizing it, like sending a report over to the operations team and saying, 
hey guys, this is what's being said about us. We're not doing well here. Um, we're trending downwards on the negative reviews. Let's improve. And if it's reward specifically, like we'll look at that and look for ways we can improve because that's our job. You know, we, we're the, the, the touch point, you know, to customers across all these different, these different things. So um, I think the field's really accepted and adopted it. And we're learning that they even share these reports in their Monday morning meetings, which is great. They're like, hey, you know, we got to get better in this location or this region isn't doing so well. Um, so that's really terrific. I think that com- that's kind of the first piece, the reputation and the reviews about developing emotional loyalty. You got to get that right first. And I think from our perspective, we think more about loyalty now um, than just the transaction. It's more than that. There's That's great, obviously, to get the transaction, but we're trying to build in more like experiential type rewards into the program that are gated, that's only available for rewards members to get them excited about it. And so also we get the credit for it. Um, one example of this is, I think a couple of years ago, we really started to have merchandising and marketing again at the table with, I'll use uh, Monster Energy as an example. Mm-hmm. So we're not just talking promotions. We're saying, hey, guys, what does your calendar look like? Like what types of things are you doing to activate your customers? And Monster being you know, almost like they are a lifestyle brand in addition to an energy product, but they activate with sports, with music, culture, all these things that our customers like as well. And one area in particular was uh, UFC, Ultimate Fighting Champions. So we partnered with them on some experiential type things like VIP packages that we could send uh, th- through, through sweepstakes that we could send our customers to. And it really resonated, you know, in terms of the overall enthusiasm behind those programs that are, again, gated behind rewards. Um, and the units spoke for themselves, like in terms of what we were able to drive with Monster um, was really terrific. And so we locked that in. We're doing more of those types of things where they're exclusive to us with those category captains. And that makes for more of an emotional connection. Uh, can you measure it? I'm not exactly sure, but maybe it comes into the reputation and review. But certainly in terms of the numbers and the volume and units that we're seeing with those particular supplier partners. Yeah, absolutely. We're definitely driving it. Um, so that's one example of, of doing it. Um, the last thing I'll, I'll highlight will probably be our food program. Um, and to give an example, like the Allsup's brand we acquired because they had this really terrific food program. It's a fried food program. And our customers are so passionate about it. Uh, they love one one product in particular, the beef and bean fried burrito. And this thing, it's legend. Um, it has like a 60-year <laughs> history. We're celebrating our 50th year next year. So we've got a lot of cool stuff. Talk about loyalty. Yeah, exactly. So it's not just like the customer now grew up on the food. It's like their parents. And it's so, so it's like a generational thing. It's great. But we get user-generated content through social media of customers who have tattoos of like the burrito here <laughs> or like on a calf. Real diehards. We've hearts. had requests. Yeah, seriously. We've had requests for people, if can we cater their wedding with all sorts of burritos <laughs> and that type of thing. So you can't, you can't buy that. You can't, um, as a brand that's amazing, and we try to capitalize on, uh, capitalize on that by introducing things in the context of rewards where, again, we could pair up food with something else um, or drive trial or drive more units, that type of thing. Um, so food and like private label will kind of look to pair up to, to you know, gender more of that emotional loyalty. Because again, it's like when someone says like, I love my Starbucks, like you, you know what they mean by that. And when we hear someone say, I love the Allsup's burrito, it's kind of the same thing. And, and it's such a magical thing. We have to do our best to like a protect it, but also do more for them going forward with those types of stuff, with that yeah. type of stuff. So, and I know Starbucks does have uh, obviously very strong loyalty. I'm not sure I've ever heard of tattoos of Starbucks cups. I mean, they, they, <laughs> they could exist. It's possible that they're out there, but I don't, I don't know that I've ever seen one. Um, right, so as, the, the, mer, the mermaid right here, or something like that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's possible. Right. right. Uh, 
So as you scale up the loyalty program, like where do you where do you hope to take it next? That is a great question. Uh, ideally, everyone in these rural communities is on the program and they're loving it, they're using it, and they're getting value from it. You know, that would be ideal. Um, but I think a couple other things. I think data is really huge, but the the leveraging the data, our own data, our first party data is really going to allow us to unlock more um, with our suppliers. Like I touched upon the monster example, it'll, unlo- it'll unlock more funding, more trade dollars, more brand dollars for us to do more. I think experiential rewards, bigger, better promos, that type of thing, and get credit for it as we align our brands with those, you know, CPG brands that our customers are passionate about. But it all comes down to having better data in the program to understand what customers are buying, what their habits are, changing those behaviors, um, and maybe um, driving trial as a result of that. So the, all that we hear from CPGs when we have our meetings with them or our key suppliers is you know, digital, data, data, data on, on our customers. And with this next iteration of our program, you know, we're just going to be able to do so much more, which is ter- terrific. I think we're going to take a look at fuel pricing as well. And what I mean by that is where we can leverage fuel pricing more effectively in the context of the program. I was fortunate enough to sit in on a, a loyalty conference recently and, and Ken Parent, who's the former um, CEO of Pilot, I had a quote and I loved it. He said, not all gallons are created equal. And I think that's really true because margins in our New Mexico market, for example, are different in Texas. And he really illustrated a great example of trying to get that person in Texas to come shop with you and fill up over in New Mexico because that's going to be a win-win in the end. So I think that's something that we're going to look at and leverage fuel, um, not just within itself, but also across category to drive you know, purchase maybe in something else where that customer who's just filling up you know, hasn't done so before. So I think there's a lot of opportunity there. And you know, experiential rewards, I think that's something I've, I've alluded to. We want to do more of that. We want to do more things that will surprise our customers that at the end of the day, they'll say, hey, you know, um, I, I love Allsup's rewards because they do really cool stuff with Monster and UFC or, you know, hey, I, I love Yesway rewards because they're doing really cool things with Frito or, you know, that type of thing. The more we can work with those category captains to do bigger, better, more, uh, the more of a win it's going to be for our customers in the end. I'm definitely speaking more to the potential of that collaboration and those partnerships. I just have one last question for you, and it's kind of a little bit outside of what we've been talking about, but it's hard to be uh, working in the tech space without talking about artificial intelligence and generative AI. So I just kind of want to close off to get your thoughts. If, if you see the potential, where you see the potential for within retail, within convenience retail, perhaps within your loyalty programs, you know, anything you guys are experimenting with or anything you can talk about? For sure. Someday it's just going to be, you don't know if, if it's generative AI sending you a reply mm-hmm. in, your out, in, your, in your inbox or if it's actually a person behind it. I think, uh, I, I love the question. I think there's so much to learn about it. I think there's a lot to unpack there. I will say in our organization, we are talking about it on our Tuesday morning you know, merchandising marketing calls. We had someone share about chat GPT a couple weeks ago and it was really cool. I actually learned a lot about it. I'm still learning a lot about it. If I see a webinar pop up, I'll try to attend and, and just and we, yep, you know, get more into the weeds. And have, have some of those. So. <laughs> exactly. There you go. You know, the ding, ding, a little plug for you there. But I think um, you know we're looking for ways to test it, first and foremost. We're excited about the possibilities of it. Um, I think there are some risks there. You know, But from a testing perspective, we've, we've already done a little bit with A-B testing for ad copy, for example. Um, Google loved it. <laughs> so it's kind of scary. Google's like, oh, this is really great. Uh, as far as um, just the overall, like, uh, um, so you've already seen the, the like results a benefit. that we're seeing. You already saw a, a little bit, a little yeah, bit. yeah, a, a little bit. Um, digital marketing efforts, I think specifically, there's some stuff there. The overall creative execution, you know, turning stuff around more quickly. I think there's there's something to it there. 
Um, but there's also the question, I think, of copyright, you know, and it's the, the U.S. Copyright Office doesn't have copyright protection for work created by non-humans. So there's, there is that kind of delicate balancing act where if you're going to put something that's unique to you, you know, there are some ramifications to that, I guess, you know, if you, if you put stuff out there. Mm-hmm. So there's challenges. Um, the flip of that, you know, not just generative AI, but also just AI gener- generally speaking, we're looking at ways to implement it maybe on the customer service front, chatbots, that type of thing to turn, you know, a thread where someone may be complaining about something into more of a lead gen for rewards and loyalty and all that. So it's exciting stuff. I think there's a lot to learn there and we just have to do our job to stay ahead of it because in convenience retail, like stuff happens really quickly. It's uh, it's fun, but at the same time, I think it can be a little overwhelming and sometimes people chase, you know, the latest and greatest and don't quite know where it's going. But with this, I think already we're seeing some, some pretty compelling results. So more to come on that, I'd say. Nice. Well, thanks for sharing. Definitely, I agree with you. Some exciting times right now um, going on. So, Darren, I want to thank you so much for coming on Tech Transformation, sharing all the details about your upcoming loyalty program. Um, it's been great having you. Thank you so much, Lisa. I really appreciate it. Enjoy the conversation and enjoy your memorial day. Thanks for listening to Tech Transformation with CGT and RIS News. Be sure to subscribe to learn more innovative strategies and trends in the retail and consumer goods industries. And don't forget to visit rasnews.com and consumergoods.com to sign up for our newsletters.